Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Frankly Speaking Sports right here on WWBG 1470 AM and nationally on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. An incredible, incredible, incredible show in store for you on the Friday before the Super Bowl between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Should be a great game, a really, really great game, and I don't think a lot of people expected it. I think a lot of people expected Philadelphia to run away with this, and I'm not going to say sit here and tell you that Philadelphia is not going to run away with it, and, and we're going to talk about it and break down this game as well in a few minutes, but I want to remind everybody, coming up later in the show, we're going to have two-time Super Bowl champion Former New York Giant great Leonard Marshall joining us in segment two. And then in segment three, co-captain of the SMU 1981 national championship team, former defensive lineman for the Eagles and the Colts, Harvey Armstrong will be joining us. So segment two, segment three, some unbelievable, terrific, fantastic interviews for you. But let's go to the game. Let's talk about it. Who's going to win this game on Sunday? You know, like I said, a lot of people have Philadelphia, but when you look at the offensive statistics, you know, it, it looks like both teams are pretty, pretty good. On the, Obviously, they're pretty good, but pretty consistent with each other on the offensive side of the ball. You got the Chiefs, which is the number one ranked offense, versus the number three ranked offense in the Philadelphia Eagles. The end of the team, end of the day, which team is going to prevail? I'm going to tell you right now. I always say, and I will continue to always say, that defense wins big games. And defensively, when you break these teams down, the Philadelphia Eagles are the much better team defensively. They're the number one team in sacks this year. They have 69 sacks. You know who's number two? The Kansas City Chiefs. That's right. The Kansas City Chiefs have 55, 14 less sacks. And I'll tell you what, this front line of the Philadelphia Eagles is just incredible. It's incredible. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, excuse me for my little voice interruption, folks. Not sure what, it's a little tickle there. But at the end of the day, folks, you know, I honestly believe in my opinion, that the Eagles are a better team. Look at them offensively. You got Jalen Hurts, okay, who's, what, just shy of 4,000 yards on the year. Michael Sanders, over 1,000 yards rushing this year. Been incredible. We all know what A.J. Brown has done to this team. When you look at the statistics and you look at A.J. Brown, 
just an incredible, incredible year um, by him. What? Just over a 1,000-yard gain. I'm trying to see if we get some stats here um, on him in the uh, receiving-wise. During the playoffs, he's got seven receptions in two games. So, And then you got Godert there who has been – Really, really, really uh, effective at the tight end position. And you know what? This is what to watch out for in big games. There's always and always and always a guy that comes out from nowhere and ends up being a huge player during these games. And I think Dallas Goddard, the tight end, is going to be another one. I mean, for San Francisco, he had five receptions versus the Giants. He had five receptions and a touchdown. Watch out for Dallas, Goodert, as I think he's going to be a big, big factor um, in this game. But when you look at statistics, folks, and I'm trying to break them down for you, you also have Patrick Mahomes, who's been incredible. But the question's going to be, how effective can Patrick Mahomes be on that high ankle sprain? But when you look at the running games, not bad. You got, like I said, Sanders, but Pacheco is a pretty darn good runner also uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. In two games, he has 121 yards, averaging 5.5 a carry. But you know what? This could be the games of the tight ends. We just talked about Dallas going down to Philadelphia. How about Travis Kelsey, who's led this team the whole year, with receptions in two games he has 21 receptions right now in the playoffs okay 176 yards and three touchdowns so you know in a game that i think is going to be won defensively because of the great defense that the philadelphia eagles have at the end of the day they got to be able to also stop travis kelsey who is a huge huge force for Kansas City, they rely on him a lot. Great player, great talent, great personality, everything to go with it. So this is going to be an interesting game. You know, both teams, you know, Philadelphia, you know, you can say right now they may not be the more experienced team when it comes to the Super Bowl. What has it been, like five years since they've been in a Super Bowl? But, you know, folks, take that with a grain of salt. I understand uh, Kansas City has experience, but at the end of the day, when you look at this Philadelphia team, it has been playing tremendous. The acquisition, the two key acquisitions has been A.J. Brown, obviously, from the Tennessee Titans. Why the heck a team like the Titans would let such an unbelievable talent like this go? You just have to, you know, wonder. On the other side of the football, Hassan Reddick has just been incredible this year uh, for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. And I think he's going to be a big, big reason. At the end of the day, my pick to win this Super Bowl is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think I'm giving them a 10-point win, at least in this game. I just think that they are that good and they're going to, I just don't, I don't see it being as close of a game as many people think, although some people will say you can never count out Patrick Mahomes. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said earlier, we have an incredible show for you. Just an incredible, incredible show. We're 
in the next segment, we're going to have Lennon Marshall, the great, great former New York Giant who's in their ring of honor. And then he's going to be followed by Harvey Armstrong. Let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break because we have two unbelievable, tremendous, fantastic interviews for you. We'll be back right after this message. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Frankly Speaking Sports Carolina right here on WWBG 1470 AM and Tobacco Road Sports Radio.com. And I'll tell you what, we've been talking about the Super Bowl, talking about the upcoming Super Bowl, and I couldn't think of having a better guest on now than former two-time Super Bowl champion, former New York Giants defensive lineman. Let's welcome in. Leonard Marshall. Leonard, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Larry. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Hey, Leonard, I want to start right out because you've been in two Super Bowls. Talk about the week that these players are going through currently on the Chiefs and the Eagles leading up to the Super Bowl and all the distractions that you put have to put up with as a player before the game. Well, you know, this is this is the big probably the biggest week of their lives, you know, for many of them. You know, uh, you know, bigger than uh, Pop Warner football, bigger than high school football, the district and state championships, uh, bigger than college football and the uh, the, uh, the the conference championship and the uh, and the national championship. If you were successful enough to make it to a game of that sort, um, this is. 85 to 130 million people that watch television and watch sports on television and cover sports all around the world. Everybody will be tuning into this game uh, with the intent and purpose to watch a bunch of gladiators tussle back and forth over this brown piece of pigskin. Yeah, exactly. So what's the emotions, Leonard, leading up for a player to the Super Bowl. Talk about, like, you know, it's getting close, and now it's Friday, then it's Saturday, and then, of course, game day. What's the emotions like for the players as it leads up to the game? I can tell you about the emotions for Leonard Marshall. You know, as the game approached and as the time and the clock winded down uh, towards game time, you know, my, uh, my behind got a little bit tighter and tighter and tighter every day. And, you know, my thing was, uh, and I'll go back to my first championship. My first championship, we played a, a, a very active quarterback. We played a guy who had a huge arm, but also could run and was athletic enough to run and be able to throw on the run and throw the ball 67 yards down the field. So, you know, my whole thing was, wow. I got to not only chase this bastard all day long, 
I got to worry about him throwing the ball deep on me uh, and then going deep for a big score at any point in time in the game. And that was John Elway. Right. So you, you lose sleep when you play players like that. You know, in, in, in Super Bowl 25, playing Tim Kelly in the K-Gun offense, those guys that scored 91 points in two weeks leading up to playing us, uh, we knew that defensively we were the best football team they had seen all year. But we, what we didn't know was if we could see to allow Thurman Thomas to run the ball for 170, 80 yards, take the ball out of Jim Kelly's hands, and, and not give him the ability to get the ball downfield in big chunks of yardage, that we could control the clock offensively, and we could control the floor of the game, and we could end up beating them eventually, which we did, according to 19. So, you know, um, I guess the thing my takeaway, know your opponent. Uh, the one thing that Bill Parcells prided us on was knowing our opponents inside and outside. Knowing, you know, his tendencies, what they like to do, how they like to do it, how they like to defend the perimeter, how they like to run the ball up the middle, how they like to play the field uh, in terms of uh, uh, the line of scrimmage and their personnel. You know, know your opponent. Number two, come in with the same tenacity as you came in and played with all year long. Do not leave anything to be unturned, you know, when you leave that field of playing, the game is over, leave that satisfied. Not leaving going, if I could have, would have, should have. And, and, and if you do those things and you play error-free slash mistake-free football, you got a real good chance to win. Now, like you said, you had the ability to play in two Super Bowls. What are some of your greatest memories from both Super Bowls? You mentioned Denver. You mentioned Buffalo. What are some of them? things that stick out most about those games for you? Well, my, my, my games were, you know, and I still don't know how we were able to pull it off, but, you know, in 1986 when we beat, or uh, 87 rather, when we played the uh, the Broncos in the Super Bowl, uh, if you go back and watch that game, Carl Banks and Leonard Marshall have probably the best football game that two defensive players can have for their football team. I think combined, he and I had, just close to about 23 tackles in the game. I had two and a half quarterback sacks. Uh, I had uh, nine solo tackles. Carl had 11 solo tackles. He forced two fumbles in the game uh, and one errant pass. Uh, I felt we should have been co-MVPs in the game, defensive MVPs, because we shut the different Broncos down in the second half of the game. They weren't able to score any more points. We beat them twenty. We beat them thirty to thirty-nine to twenty, and I think they only scored three points in the second half. That was a high-powered offense. Yep. That was one of the best offenses we have played in, in football that season. As a matter of fact, they beat us during the season. The only team that was as good of the, of the Broncos was the team that we beat that year three times in the same season, and was a divisional rival in the Washington Redskins. So. Uh, that kind of made me proud that we were able to beat a team like that. The second Super Bowl, uh, we beat the best team in football that year. Uh, we felt that San Francisco 49ers and the NFC Championship game, where we beat them at their park, and I and I knocked Joe Montana out the game. Uh, I'm defensive player of the month. I'm defensive MVP of the, of the, of the game. 
two and a half quarterback sacks again. Uh, uh, no Montana. Uh, Steve Young comes in. He could close the game out. We kick the field goal to go on to Tampa. And, and we beat the Bills in Tampa by controlling the football, controlling the clock, playing strong defense. I have the only sack in the Super Bowl uh, against the Buffalo Bills. I sacked Jim Kelly third and long, knocked him out of field goal range, which if you go back and look at the game, we won by a point. They kicked that field goal, and yep. I don't make that play. Uh, we don't go home with a second ring. So those are my fondest memories. What do you remember? Go back to that NFC Championship game. The hit, you know, everybody talks about on Montana. I mean, how vivid is it still in your mind? And talk about the sack of Joe Montana. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, I line up at third down. You know, I know it's third and long. I know somebody's got to get there and make a play. You know, they put Lawrence on one side of the field and put me on the other side of the field. We were our two best pass rushers that season. And, um, you know, I, I, I remember slapping his hand coming out the huddle. Hey, either you get there or I get there, but one of us has got to get there this way. And, um, you know, the ball snapped. I slipped. Uh, uh, next thing you know, I make another pass rush move. Uh, a guy dies at my feet, and I look up, and I'm crawling. I never stop on a play. I never gave up on the play. You know, everything that I heard my coaches tell me when I was a kid, get up off that ground. That ground is hot. Get up off that ground. Keep playing. The whistle hasn't blown yet. All that was going through my mind. And I look up and he still got the ball. And once I see him cock his left hand to tell Jerry Rice to run, I leave my feet. And the rest is history from there. It's lights out Irene. Yeah. Be, you, know, you know, Leonard, you, you, besides yourself, there was two other great, well, many more other great defensemen that played besides you. Talk, you mentioned Lawrence Taylor and, of course, Harry Carson. Talk about what it was like playing on the same side of the football as those two guys. Well, it was phenomenal because, you know, both of those guys are my boys. You know, I spoke to Harry yesterday. I was with Lawrence this past weekend. Together we all called Bill Parcells. You know, it was LT's birthday, so, you know, we, we, get, we had some laughs and, 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 and talking about that. You know, the three of us dressed next to each other our, our whole career for 10 years together. So, you know, a lot of respect for those guys. I'm leaving out two guys that I, uh, that, that, that I love equally, and um, and that's Carl Banks right. and George Martin. Uh, yeah. Carl Banks and George Martin are just like, you know, golden, golden, golden guys with me, uh, mean the world to me, love their kids, love their family, love their work. You know, love the things that they've done, you know, post-career-wise, you know, uh, and just phenomenal men. And I, I think that the one, my greatest takeaway of all of this is when you win championships and you create memorial moments in your life as boys and you come back as men 20 to 30 years later, as I'm reminiscing here now, you think about all those times and you think about, you know, what went into it and how those those lives were built. And each and every one of us had a trial and tribulation to overcome. But yet, we never let that force us to lose focus on the task at hand, which was to build a brotherhood and build a bond. And today, that bond is just as strong as ever. As a matter of fact, there's a new book about the 86 Giants that's coming out that's being written by my dear friend Gary Myers uh, with contributing moments from 
a lot of the players from the 86 Giants. And uh, if you're a fan, you're going to want to read this book. It's kind of this once a giant. And I think that, uh, you know, fans are like, you know, check this book out. You will not be disappointed. It talks about 30-year history, a 40-year history of these guys and what they meant to each other and what they mean to each other today. Talk about, you know, you mentioned his name just recently uh, here. Um, talk about what it was like to play for Coach Parcells, who is known to have a defensive mindset. Bill Parcells was probably the, the greatest thing that ever happened to the New York Giants. At one time, they thought he was the greatest mistake ever. And that was after the 1983 season, my rookie year. And, um, and I think it was because, you know, you took a guy who was a defensive assistant and was a darling in the locker room uh, uh, of the players and a guy who could communicate and articulate a message. And I think that, you know, his first year in trying to do it, he was trying to do it the way other people wanted him to do it. His second year in the game, he says, I'm going to do this my way. And those that, that don't fit into it my way, they all want him. I'm going to get rid of him. The greatest, the greatest thing he did for Leonard Marshall and probably our football team was he hired my strength and conditioning coach, a guy who lives in Tampa, Florida, and I love dearly by the name of Johnny Parker. Uh, he hired him away from, uh, from school. Uh, he left LSU. He left Ole Miss. Uh, decided to come here in New York and uh, hang, it out, hang out with me for a few years. A few years turned into a career. And the next thing you know, the guy's got a full, a full finger, a full hand of championship rings from a number of different teams and, uh, and just a phenomenal man. Uh, uh, you know, that's who Bill Parcells is. That's, that's the kind of guy he is. Um, Bill Belichick, the same kind of guy. As a matter of fact, if, if it continues the way it's going, that trophy one day is going to be called the Belichick Award and no longer the Lombardi Award. Because I really believe that Bill Belichick and Brady alone changed the game of football. Let me ask you this, um, a couple more questions before we let you run, Leonard. Um, I found out, and I didn't know this actually, um, that you had been diagnosed uh, with CTE. Um, talk about what the NFL can do more, not just to make people aware of it, but talk about what they can do to individuals like yourself who played previously in the NFL and are diagnosed with it and how they can prevent it going forward. Well, I, I think that, you know, the league has been doing a lot of new things, you know, um, to help players and their families. I think the greatest thing is is adopting the fact that this, this is prevalent um, and, 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 and respecting the science of it. I think that's the greatest thing that the NFL can do. Um, I think the second thing it can do is partner with organizations like the one that I'm on the board of directors of, uh, I'm sorry, on the advisory board of, um, called the Concussion Legacy Foundation out of Boston. Uh, and it's someone by the name of Christopher Nowinski, who does a phenomenal job with disseminating information to help players and their families as they uh, articulate into the next phase of their lives after professional football. There's so many players and families that have gone through um, uh, the same type of trauma from traumatic brain injury as suffered by their husbands, uncles, uh, family members, and so forth and so on. And I think that it's just uh, um, a, a matter of time that 
you know, uh, everyone comes to accept the fact that the helmet that is used to play football, it needs to be changed. Um, the way that people tackle uh, and, and the use of the head in the game of football, that needs to be changed. So far, uh, there, there has been change. If you, if you look today, the game has become a lot safer for quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, um, and, uh, and defensive players. Uh, some of the rules have changed to, to affect um, the way defensive players use their helmets. Instead of them using them as weapons, they use them to, to, to just play football. Um, so I think, you know, you know, if they continue to do the things that they're doing now, and improve the skill set of the sport, and and make sure that the product they put on the field is as stellar as ever. Um, I think football will, will maintain its integrity, and that fans will still be able to enjoy it, just as they enjoy wrestling and other sports that are shown on television. You know, it, it's been long overdue, uh, Leonard, and it was finally done. And I've said this for years, actually, that it's you know, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? I knew it was going to happen eventually, but talk about the thrill of 2022 last year being honored by the New York Giants and putting in the ring of honor. Well, it was something that, you know, it was, it was probably the, the, the second to last step um, uh, in, in, a, in a stellar career, a career that was built by a kid from the, uh, the Bayou of Franklin, Louisiana, who had a dream to play pro football and play it at his best and play it at his highest level. Uh, you come to New York with a dream and a passion. Uh, you end up with a career and a legacy. And, you know, the Ring of Honor thing meant more and means more to me uh, because my father's name will be enshrined in lights forever because I'm a junior. So his name will be enshrined in lights forever. In perpetuity, um, this is something I wanted him to see when he was alive, which is the reason why I was so so hurt by it, and the fact that I was so overlooked. Um, and historically, my numbers were not to be overlooked. Um, if you go back and you look at you know my statistics as a player, you know, and everything I accomplished in a uniform as a New York Giant. My career was just as stellar, if not, if not more, than the likes of several Hall of Famers, and that includes Howie Long and, and Leroy Selman and some of the other players that are already in the Hall of Fame, and then some guys who have been nominated of, of, of current in the Hall of Fame that, that, that you know, I kind of felt, you know, are deserving, should be deserving. But I just kind of feel that what I did as a player and what I meant to this organization called the New York Football Giants meant a little bit more to my team than most of those guys did to theirs. And, um, you know, so I'm happy with, with the Ring of Honor thing. I, I think it's it's great for my family. It's great for my, my, my grandchildren, my, my, my daughter and son. You know, I, I wanted this for them and my family, but there's one more step to this. Yep. And that step is camp, and I want I, and I want that gold jacket. And I want it too for you, my friend. Got to ask you this before I let you run. Who wins the Super Bowl this weekend? 
I tell you, I, 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 this is a toss-up for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, you know, you can't be a New York Giant and love the Eagles. That's right. <laughs> you can't do that, you know. So, uh, but you got to give props for they deserve. And you know, they look like the most physical football team I've seen since since the '85 Bears and the, and, the, and the '90 New York Giants. So I don't know I, if Kansas City can bring the pain. And, uh, and they can bring, apply that pressure. I think it'll be a great afternoon. But if they come in and play like, you know, the two previous teams played the Eagles uh, and, and, and not and not apply that pressure, I think it'll be a long afternoon for the Chiefs. So I'm hoping the Chiefs do show up. I'm hoping they do play well. Um, I'm, I'm a Chiefs fan. Um, love the town. Love the food. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got a teammate by the name of Mark Collins who actually works for the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, another guy who should be in the Giants Ring of Honor. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for my Chiefs to come on home with it, but you know, I just don't know. I, 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 I think Philadelphia's a very physical football team. All right, my friend. Well, listen, I want to thank you so very, very much taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on yes. Frankly Speaking Sports Carolina. Yes, sir, Larry. You have a great day, man, and thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right, that was the great Leonard Marshall. Let's go ahead. Let's take a break. We'll be back right after this message. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Frankly Speaking Sports Carolina. What a show we've had so far, and I'll tell you what, it's about to get even better. We've been talking about the upcoming Super Bowl, just had Leonard Marshall on, an unbelievable, unbelievable guest, uh, former New York Giant, great. And now it's time to turn our attention to our next guest, who is former defensive lineman for the Eagles. And the Colts, who was also the co-captain of the SMU's 1981 championship team. Let's welcome in Harvey Armstrong. Harvey, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm doing fantastic, to be honest. Well, great. Harvey, I want to talk about your first three years in the NFL. We'll go back to college in a little bit, but you played in the great city of Philadelphia, who obviously this year is going to the Super Bowl. Um, talk about, um, you know, how when you went out of college to Philadelphia and how you matured there early in your career as an NFL player. Well, I, it started out pretty rocky because I was, I was, I was, I was supposed to go in the first, in the first, second, or third round. Of course, I didn't go into the seventh round. So, I waited a whole day to get drafted. 
But once I got drafted, I was determined to show the other teams who passed me up that I was deservingly ready and 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 and, and should be in the NFL. So it made me work even harder to prove my point. And so, but my first three years in Philadelphia was a blessing because I was fulfilling a dream. As a child, young child, I used to grow. I grew up on Majestic Street in Houston. For those that's listening, know that Cashman Garden area. And all I could want to do was be an NFL football player. I didn't think about going to college. I just wanted to go on the, in the NFL and play so my mother and father could watch me on TV. And so for me to fulfill that dream and to actually make it in the NFL my first three years, man, it was like a dream. It was a dream come true, a true blessing. Yeah, and then, you know, a couple of years later, you end up in, the, in, in Indianapolis, and it's almost like, you're reunited. It's a reunion. The first, it's, you know, it's Eric Dickerson, your former running back from SMU, and then Ron Myers, the head coach. Talk about reuniting with those two. Well, it, 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 man, that was great. Just we started out the season with, with Coach Dowhower, but we lost our first 13 games, so that wasn't a good start. But he got fired. Then they brought in Coach Myers. Of course, that's my buddy. That's my pal. That was my college coach. He recruited me out of Houston Cashmere. So I was I was just ecstatic and elated. I mean, I was I, I can't find the right adjective, but I was very, very happy to have him there. And then I guess the following year we brought in Eric Dickerson. Now this is my buddy. We were roommates. I recruited him out of high school. And so to have these two on a team that was pretty good and we and we ended up making the playoffs. That was another dream come true to play with your good friend and play with your or your your former college coach. And I thought he did a great job. So it was great. It was now great let's go back to college a little bit. You're a co-captain on the national championship team. I believe it was 1981. What did it mean for you to be a captain of a team that went on to the national championship and won it? true uh, blessing and a true uh, sign of, of, of the leadership, the way I was raised. And so I was a younger, I was one of the youngest players ever in SMU history to be, because uh, I was a captain my junior year. And so for me to be a captain uh, over the defense that was pretty good with some great names, that was, that was, I was it was awesome. It was a great feeling. It came with a lot of responsibility. But that, that responsibility I take personally and, and I took pride in it. And for me to be a leader and a captain of that team was awesome. Yeah, and you know, obviously we all hear about it, and I'm sure it's brought up every time someone talks to you about the scandal that happened back there and Dickerson, who was a good buddy of yours, revealing that he got a Corvette. I mean, you know, when you look back at those situations, and I don't know, maybe I just look at things differently, but... It wasn't like, at least in my opinion, like SMU was the only school doing these things. They're the ones that got caught. Talk about that. And, you know, because there's so many of that happening. I mean, I know you chose SMU and there were several other schools you could have obviously chosen. But there was a lot of stuff being thrown around from college to college to try to attract players to their school back then. Man, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. I mean, nobody offered me anything, no money. Or no, that's I what mean, I said. I, 
Not you. No, no, no. I'm being funny. Oh. If you hear me on FaceTime now, I'm about to cry laughing. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay, let's, let's, let's. It was being, I was out of the house. By one of the by one of the schools in, in Southwest College. I won't call the name, but it's in College Station. Enough said. Okay, so the things that were being offered to us, the things that were being offered to us coming out of high school. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, we go in the back room and we actually had contracts on, on teams on, on what they would give you if you decide to come come to your school. Now, of course, it's, it's being done in another way now. So they always they always a back pay. Because the things that, that we were doing back then, of course, it wasn't legal uh, in, in, in the compliance of the NAACP, the, 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 the colleges. So, so I can't get it straight now. But, but, but a lot of things were being offered back then, Larry. And all the schools were doing it. You're right. We just got caught because we was we were doing it at a really, really high level <laughs> and recruited. And we and forget Eric Dickerson and, and a Craig James, a Russell Carter, some of those guys, uh, Charles Wagner that people don't know about. When you get those guys in the same year, you know, like instant, you has to be doing something that that we're not doing right, or something that they shouldn't be doing, or is they offering these players more money in cars? Uh, and, and Eric, I tease him all the time because he'll swear his grandmother bought him that car. And him, I can tell the truth, and him bought him a car. We just took up the nose of SMU. And so and I guess I guess it's okay for me to just spill all the beans because we do have a book coming out, the, the real story at SMU. Because I had two brand new cars at SMU. So <laughs> enough said about mine. So uh, great school, but it was a great academic school. Because I went there to get my business degree. I just happened to get some other fringe benefits in cars and house and uh, carpet and uh, Central and my house. <laughs> but let me ask so, you, Harvey. You didn't ask all that. I know that. Right. I know you didn't want all that. Harvey, let me ask you this. When you let's uh, forward ahead to 40 years to the 2020s now, is there anything really different about the way NIL is doing it? Than it was done back then, except that one's legal now, and it wasn't legal back then. You know what? They they, they give the players even more money, so yeah. Uh, so no, it's nothing different. That's why I say that we we should be getting back pay, and we definitely should get off the sanction of being suspended and, and yes, canceled because they they're doing the same thing. And why not? Look how much money we have generated, and we as the athletes generate the colleges. I mean, especially now, I mean, they, you're getting five or six million dollars a game on some days, on some Saturdays. And so, and that's the university and all the TV rights that they have now. So, you know, it's nothing different. Now they, they have made it legally, you know, to a point where they can actually give these players this kind of money. And I think sometimes, I think it's kind of unfair now because they just only select a few players. And when they make it across the board, which I think they're trying to do, where everyone gets paid, then I think it's going to be a beautiful thing. And I totally agree with it. Yeah, I do too. Talk about the honor. Talk about the honor of being named as a member of the SFMU Hall of Fame. Uh, that that honor came to me in 2014, and and anytime you are being recognized in your older and mature age that I have become, uh, it's a blessing. Anything like that, so it was a true blessing. I had my whole family 
Blew out. My pastor, a lot of friends from Houston came in. Um, I, and it was a true, true blessing for me to stand before them, to acknowledge my family, my daughters were there, and just to let them to see some of the things that you, you all this effort and, and time you put in in college, and now in your late, in your 50s, you get recognized, you get recognized as one of the best players at SMU. And you're talking about the Doug Walkers, the Eric Dickerson, the Craig James, the Michael Carters. And so for you to put me in that list, uh, it was a true honor, a true honor. I mean, I, I was in tears. Yeah. How wonderful is it now to see a former team or any former team? I mean, you had the ability to play with two different teams, the Eagles and the Colts. But when you retire and a former team of yours gets to the Super Bowl, how special is that still for a former player? That is very, 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 very special. And I'm a Cowboy hater. Dallas Cowboy <laughs> hater. So me, you know I'm rubbing in their face. Yep. So, if, so as a former player, but it's just beautiful. And I, and I was able to go to a couple of games this year and had my daughters on the field uh, for the Cowboy game. And, and we went to the Giants game. And so for, for, for you to see your former team going to the biggest game of your life, part of you are jealous. Part of me is, is hating because I never got to run through that tunnel in, in a Super Bowl setting. But I am so happy for the Eagles, for the fans. Those are true fans. And I am a true Jalen Hurts fanatic fan. I mean, I, I had a chance to meet him a couple of weeks ago and have a picture with him. And, and, I, and I'm just a big fan of his. And it's going to be pretty hard to beat us. And I love saying us. Because I am an eagle. I still have fly eagles fly on my license plates, okay? So uh, it, it is it is an awesome feeling, Larry, to see your former team going to the biggest game of, the, of, of their lives as, as a player. You know, player. you've done it for eight years, playing in the trenches in the NFL. You know, and I'm a firm believer. I don't care what anyone says. No matter what game it is, whether it's regular season game, postseason game, Super Bowl, I always tell people the game is won and lost in the trenches. Talk about playing in the trenches in the NFL and what it's like to play there. It is uh, 15 surgery later, okay, 11 knee operations, hip replacement, two backs, one neck. So it's, <laughs> the, the, the trench is exactly what it's called. It's not as hard now because they, they have made it a little bit more softer, as I would say. But when you have four defensive linemen coming at the quarterback like the Eagles have now, it's going to be really hard. For all you people who's betting on Kansas City, you might want to rethink that because we have four of the best linemen in the NFL, and they can rush the passer. And so when you have four studs that can get after the passer and stop the run, which they brought in um, uh, Sean, I can't think of his name now, from Tampa, uh, and brought in two big big linemen to stop the run. So when you have big hogs and big guys that can really rush the pass and stop the run, you talking about that is that's gonna be an amazing Sunday. I, I can I can almost guarantee it's gonna be a win just because we're gonna yep. beat them in the trenches. How good is this defense of Philadelphia? Really, really good. Really good. Because like I just said, they have four guys that can rush the pass without bringing linebackers and safeties. They got two shutdown corners. Uh, they have a linebacker that can run from sideline to sideline. So this defense is pretty good. I mean, you have guys, you have three guys in double-figure sacks. That's never, that's, that's just unheard of. Yep. I mean, I think 
So, so when you have that kind of those kind of numbers, and knowing that that um, uh, my, my my quarterback of Kansas City, Mahomes, he's not going to be as mobile. He's not going to be as mobile as people think. A high sprain ankle is not. You can't. That doesn't heal in three weeks. Right. Okay. So, so don't think he's going to be this typical four six four five type of running back going into. So keeping him from being magical. He's a magical quarterback. But if you keep him in that pocket and keep him right there and keep him honest, but he can't create the magic, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long day for my friend. Harvey, I have to ask you this. It might be a tough one for you to answer. Who's been a bet who's been uh, more of an acquisition for the Eagles this year? AJ Brown on the offensive side or Hassan Reddick on the defensive side? You know, I want to be, I want to kind of be biased, but because you know, I like reason. I mean, I had 17 sacks, and I, I'm, a, I'm a former defense alignment. But you know what? I'm still confused. Why would Tennessee Titan trade away the AJ Brown? Yep. So my answer to you, Larry, is AJ Brown is the biggest acquisition on that team. I, I, I want to say the defensive end because you, you have to get those sacks. But, but you have you, – that number 11 is awesome. He makes that offense click. He makes it go. Yeah. You can just throw it up to him. So, for them to bring him in, because I, I just didn't understand, why would you get rid of your best receiver? So, I, I, I'm going with A.J. Brown. I know all the defensive players out there saying, Harvey, really? And, but I'm going with him because I was so puzzled why they would get rid of him. The reason was a great acquisition for him, for us to have him, Man, it's going to be hard. I, I know San Francisco is hating that he showed up. And yep. they wish they would have looked different. But I'm to answer your question, I'm taking A.J. Brown. Yeah, they both, like you said, have been just huge. Well, Harvey, I know who you think is going to win. I don't think I have to ask you this question. I know it's Philadelphia. Please, 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 please ask me. Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> But before I leave, I know something very dear to you. Uh, you and I were talking offline to you. Uh, you know how um, a family member of yours was uh, incorrectly accused of committing a crime that you wanted to talk about before we wrapped it up. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor here to go ahead and do that. Well, Larry, I appreciate your time. I'm going to be very brief. Uh, I, I, I just hope your listeners out, the listeners that listen to the show, we're in a position now where they try my nephew uh, for a third time. And it's so unfair, so unjust. And, and we just want him to get his life back because he's innocent. Because I mean, they couldn't prove it the first two times. So for those that's in doubt, well, the justice system couldn't say, couldn't prove it in two different times. Now they want to try it for the third time. So I'm just hoping people that, that hear this and know about the A.J. Armstrong case and that situation. Uh, and hopefully he's listening now. So, so how you doing, AJ? Let's get to work. Let's get to work. Come on. Uh, but, 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 I just want them to continue to pray for my family. It's been a hard. It's been six years, Larry. It's been six years this have went on, and have and have taken a really toll on my family, mentally, spiritually, and now financially. And and I'm just asking all the people that's out there listening, if it's in their heart, in their pocketbooks, and and. I mean, I don't care if it's five dollars. They can go to to the website and go to donateajarmstrong.com. Again, donateajarmstrong.com. 
www.thebrotherhoodmedia.com. And if you can't give, just continue to pray for my family, pray for AJ, and this thing is, is dismissed. And for his grandmother and grandfather, Keith and Kate, and all the family members that have suffered, that have suffered for six years, and especially AJ, he's, he's, he's married now with a son. Man, let the kid go home. Let him, he's home, but he's still under house arrest. Now we got to go through more, another jury selection, another court. In another trial and i just i look at the story you you make your decision and in, in your judgment on him if you decide if you want to make a donation but we are in really need and i'm gonna say desperate need of raising money for this third trial and and that's what i hope your listeners find in their heart and if it's again if it's not in your heart just pray for us pray for the family aj armstrong yeah, and I'll tell you what, we're all praying here at Frankly Speaking Sports that justice is done, Harvey. I want to take the time to thank you so very, very much, taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on Frankly Speaking Sports Carolina today. Well, I appreciate your time allowing me to, to talk about my family and talk football. I mean, I love talking football, and, uh, and so, hey, it's a blessing. Thank you. All right, stay safe, my friend. All right, that was the great Harvey Armstrong, former defensive lineman for the Eagles and the Colts. And I'll tell you what, folks, great, great guy, great, great uh, story he just had um, about his entire career. Let's all pray for his family and that justice is done correctly. Well, folks, that wraps up this show. We had a Super Bowl caliber show. Hope you all enjoyed it. Until next week, this is I am Larry Frank. We'll see you again on Frankly Speaking Sports Carolina.